time, treasure, and talent, but mainly the treasure aspect of it. And I want to share with what God showed me. And I will tell you, if you please, please, I'm asking for about 30 minutes of your time. If you pay attention to this and allow the Holy Spirit to give it to you, it will alter your life forever. I will guarantee that. The time, the talents, and the treasure, and what it means. So I'm going to start by just getting simple and kind of just um, talking a little bit about, you know, what the Bible says. What not it God's word? Amen? Is it God's word? So I'm going to spend a lot of time going through the Bible. I'm going to ask you to write down these verses because I don't have time to go through them all and check me out. Basically be a Berean. But let me just quickly give you a quick story. And I'm going to read it here. God tells his story in the Bible. It says, God created man who rebelled against him. God gave him stewardship over a garden, but then God rebelled against man. God relentlessly pursues man, even being portrayed and over and over and over and over again by man. But God in his faithfulness sends his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the colossal consequences of our sin and our betrayal. Then Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And in that resurrection, we become alive again and back on mission and back part of the family of God. And it's such a cool picture of the Bible of God's faithfulness and his love for us. Isn't that great? But I want to tell you something. What is the most one subject that God spends the most time talking about? I mean, here in that story, wrapping up the Bible, the one subject he spends the most time talking about in the Bible is finances. To me, it's like that doesn't make sense. I mean, this is so awesome about your love and your faithfulness and redemption. And I'm a child again. We sang it. I'm a child of God. And. I says, I don't understand. Why are you always talking about money, God? Why? I, I didn't get it at first. And, and I know that we have to be faithful, and I know about stewardship a little bit, and I know that he wants us to be like him as a giver. Okay, I know all that stuff. I've taught it. I've, I'm a pastor. But he began to open some things up to me over the last several months in particular when I opened myself up and was able to lay myself down. And I want to share those things with you today. See, there's... 23,145 verses in the Old Testament, 7,954 in the New Testament, a total of 31,102 verses in the Bible. Third, um, over, I'm going to give you the number, over 23,000, I'm sorry, over 2,000, I better write it, read it right, 2,351 verses that are documented are about finances. 13.25% of the whole Bible is about finances and about money. That's astounding. I mean, think about that. Does God want to get our attention about this? God's word is real. God's word is alive. Every word that proceeds out of his mouth, he said he would speak and universes are created. He would speak and worlds are created. 13.25% of the Bible is about finances. The most talked about subject from God. Pastor Brenda said it, over 50% of the parables are about finances. When Jesus came to this earth, he talked more about finances than anything else. So let's share and find out what is this all about? What is he trying to do? Why? Um, the Bible, first of all, acknowledges that God is a source 
of all wealth. God is the source of all wealth, all finances. And that's in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14, if you want to start looking these up for yourself. And then he goes on, and I'm going to go through some Old Testament verses, but he goes on and he's, people are talking about, oh, I want to fast, I want to get close to you. And then Isaiah 58, Pastor Brenda's taught from this passage before, but how do we get close to God? God then tells you, this is how you get close to me, this is how you fast, this is how you draw close to me. And in a couple of verses he says this, which is about money. It says, if you extend your soul and your finances to the hungry and you satisfy their afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn as darkness, and your darkness shall become as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your soul in drought, and strengthen your bones, and you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. They're in the Old Testament crying out, how do I get close to you, God? And God says, hey, I want you to take your finances and use them properly. It's like, okay, and, and it still doesn't, don't get it? Okay, let's keep going. I'm going to share a bunch of principles here. Uh, Psalms and the Psalms. Psalm 15 warns us about seeking unfair financial gain. Psalms 111 talks about the blessings, that all blessings come from the Lord. Every single thing you have comes from God. Psalms 112 articulates that we must be generous because God has been generous towards us. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on all through the Old Testament. Proverbs 22, too, reminds us that the poor and the rich are all creatures of God alike. Proverbs 22, 7 even says, it warns us that the borrower will actually become a slave to the lender. So over and over and over again, God's talking about these things. But the main thing that I found, the main thing that I found in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is the same. And I'm going to just share these few principles with you. Number one, what the Bible teaches, what God teaches, that everything we own actually belongs to God. And I've been sharing this during the offering time. But it really, you got to get this. Every single thing you own, every penny, your car, your house, the clothes you wear, every single thing that you have is God's. Your life, he thought you up before the foundation of the world and put you on this earth, right? Your life belongs to him. God's trying to say that I want you to understand that in the area of finances, every single thing you own is mine, and this relieves the pressure off you now. It's not yours. It's all mine. And here's the second point of all the scriptures and what he's trying to teach. Because it's all mine... I want you to use it like it's all mine. What are you doing for my kingdom? What are you doing for the Great Commission? What are you doing for me with my money? See, it's not about tithing. Tithing is training wheel stuff that we try to get you to. Matter of fact, somebody said to me, hey, I'm at 2% of my income. What if I got up to 5%? And I said, you know what? Stealing 5% from God is stealing if it's 2% or 5%. Tithing is like where he wants us to start from. That's training wheel stuff. Stewardship and what he's trying to teach us on finances is when we understand that everything we have, time, talent, treasure, are all his. We are a gift that's been put on this earth by him to use his time, talent, and treasures for his glory. And that's why 
he speaks so much about money because we don't get it and we think somehow that money's ours. If I give 10% to God, then 90% is mine. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not yours. God says, I want you to start by giving 10% back to me and then use the other 90% for my kingdom's glory also. We got to get this principle. We got to understand. That's why God talks about it so much. So all our wealth, all our possessions should be used for God's purposes. All of it. And so what do you, how do you make your, your purchases? And how does that relate to the kingdom of God? Come on. Now, I'm not against tattoos, but somebody came to me the other day and put another tattoo on themselves, and it's like their 12th or 13th one, and I think they got piercings and stuff. But then they're coming to me and say they have no money. And I'm saying, wait a second, you're putting these things on your body. Did you go to the Holy Spirit and ask if it's okay? Because if it's okay, that's cool. If God wants it on you, that's cool. I don't have any problem with it. But if you're spending that money and you can't feed your family or you want me to give you money because you can't pay a light bill, oh boy, don't come to me like that because that's God's money and you're spending on something. You better make sure what you're spending on that you got the Holy Spirit's approval first. That could be with anything. And I'm just use that one because it came up recently. But it could be in any purchase or anything that we do. I just used that one because it was like quick that it happened. Here's the other thing God wants to do. When we give generously and understand that it's not ours, it breaks the power of mammon over you. Most of the people in the world, including Christians, are under the power of mammon. They're under the power of finances. They're under the power of money. Even our financial system set up to save, save, save so that you have all this money so you can retire, so you can have this and save, save, save. I want to ask you something. When your hearse gets, I mean, when the hearse comes and you get taken, your casket gets taken over to the place where everybody's going to kind of view you. Do you have this like this big giant um, trailer in the back with all your stuff that you're taking to heaven with you? It doesn't happen, does it? But there is treasures that we can lay up, as Pastor Brenda said earlier, in heaven. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit today. Also, wealth is kind of like dynamite in our hands. It can be used for good or it can really blow up and mess some things up. So God wants us to understand and know that. Does this make sense to you? Does it make sense now why he talks so much about finances? Because we are stewards, not owners. We were stewards in the garden, but we messed up. And didn't steward the garden properly and our ancestors were thrown out. We are stewards of this earth. It says that he gives us this earth. You know, when you look at that word gives in the Psalms where he talks about that, it's we are stewards of this earth. You are stewards of your money. You are stewards of your marriage. You are stewards of your time. You are stewards of your talent. It's all a gift. And when you see it that way, man, it makes you like, whew. You know what? My house got robbed. But you know what? It wasn't my house anyway. They just robbed God. Boy, they are in trouble. <laughs> my my car broke down. Well, guess what? God's car just broke down. You know, I, I, it's going to be cool how God gets this one fixed because it's his car. Hey, God, you know what? Your car broke down that you gave me to do your ministry with, so I need some help. Doesn't that take all the pressure off when it's not yours anyway? It's God's. That's what God's trying to teach us. That's why he uses so many verses. Let me go on and on because, boy, I, I, I still, still got some time there. Um, the New Testament teaches the same. Basically, in the Sermon of the Mount, when Jesus is talking in the Sermon of the Mount over and over again, it's about 
how we properly use our times, talents, and treasures. Um, again, I'll, I'll use that verse that Pastor Brenda did. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. So God says, look, I want your heart, as Pastor Brenda was showing us, and everything you have is mine anyway, including your heart. So when your heart gets caught up with thinking that you own something, your heart gets off of me, and I can't direct you on what I put you on this earth to do. Make sense? God is so cool, and God is so good. So that's why, again, why? It's all about money. It is, because if we get it right, we understand stewardship. When we understand stewardship, our time, our talents, our treasures are all his, given to us to use for his glory. The parable of the rich fool, Jesus um, talks to this, talks about this rich fool who goes and he says, Hey, I got all this stuff. I'm going to build bigger barns. Hallelujah. And I know people like this. You know, the one with the most toys wins at the end. You know, you ever hear that? I'm building bigger barns. I got a lot of stuff and there's nothing wrong with stuff. But the rich fool, actually God calls him a fool. Jesus uses the word fool. He says in verse, um, it's in Luke uh, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, if you want to read it. But in verse 20, he says, um, you fool. <laughs> That's a, God said it. Jesus said it. This night, your soul will be required of you. And who's going to get all your stuff then? And then he goes on in verse 21, and I'd paraphrase that one a little bit. So, it's like the one who lays up for himself, but is not rich for God. The one who lays up for himself stuff, but he's not rich towards God. We're rich towards God when we take what is God's and steward it for his glory. Amen. Over and over again. Here's another example. The rich tax collector Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus gets saved or gets kind of God. Jesus comes to him, touches Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus changed. He's, he's a tax collector. He basically, the inference is, is that he's kind of took some stuff from, from some folks. And here's what Zacchaeus says in Luke 19.9. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And basically what Jesus was saying, hey, you're starting to get it because they're really not yours. I'm paraphrasing. Again, salvation has come to your house. What he was saying is, Zacchaeus... You're finally turning from understanding that you're not supposed to be stealing from people. It's not about that. But when you start giving it away for my glory, today salvation has come to your house. Jesus said today salvation comes to his house because he changes the way he thought about money. Um, again, God's word says we're stewards over and over and over again. I can't emphasize this enough. Now let me read some verses to you. I'll quickly paraphrase them. The word of God says... All things were created by God and for God. And that's in Colossians 1.16. All things were created by God and for God. Money, times, talent, you. Therefore, all things belong to him. That's in First Chronicles 29.11. I think I used that one earlier. So all things belong to God. All things belong to God. All. Period. That's the way the scripture reads. This includes ourselves. You are not your own. You are bought with a price, the scripture says. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. When Jesus came and he bought us back into the family of God, he bought us back by his blood. You don't own yourself anymore. You're part of a family. You're part of 
And you've got a job to do as part of that family. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus did for you and brought you back into your destiny and purpose. So then the stewardship of the garden thing that we kind of got wrong, he's now given stewardship again over his stuff. we got a mission and purpose on this earth. We're going to live all eternity for him. But on this earth, we're stewardships with a mission and purpose. We're in God's building um, business. And we're supposed to be building his kingdom while we're on this earth. What are you doing with your funds? Because they're really not yours. Let's go on. Unfortunately, we often fail to recognize, you know, um, as one set person says, you know, we're really supposed to be living sacrifices put on an altar, but most of us jump off, right? You know, it's cool to jump on the altar here at church, but most of us, when we're living in the world, we're off the altar and living for ourselves. Let's go on with some verses. Uh, when we work hard to save money and make down payments for houses or for cars or for whatever it is, it even says that our skills were given to us by God. Psalm 141, or Psalm 144, verse 1. You want to write that down. Even our jobs are gifts to us. That's in Exodus 20, verse 9. Exodus 20, verse 9. Even the support of the organization or the political economy that we live in is ordained by God. That's Romans 13, 1 and 2. All and every single thing is held in existence moment by moment through the hand of God. That's Colossians 1.17. It's like Jesus Christ came and he's the super ghoul of life. And every single thing, every cell in your body, everything you own, everything, everything is being held together by him. He owns it. What if Jesus just said, Phew. what would happen to gravity? What would happen to this earth? What would happen to you if he just went, well, I'm not holding it all together anymore. It's all his. That's, again, Colossians 1.17. In other words, all the credit's his. Shouldn't we then be overwhelmed with gratitude and, and love, knowing and understand what God has done for us, and that he actually would honor us by making us stewards of his stuff? That's a pretty cool honor, actually, to make us as kids and to make us stewards of his stuff while he's on this earth. Because after all, um, it says that we have inherited everything that Jesus inherited. Our inheritance, we are joint heirs with Christ. Everything that God has, he's actually kind of said, you've inherited. I want you to steward it now while you're on this earth. Steward these things. I've, I've given you power to have all this stuff. Steward it. It's from me. Again, the Bible says that stewardship applies to everything. All our purchases. So, I'm going to ask you a question. If everything you purchase is with God's money, I want you to ask yourself right now, how am I spending God's money on every purchase you make? Every purchase you make. And yeah, this is going to hurt a little bit, but I want you to get this. Every single purchase you make is God's money, and how are you spending it? Every single purchase you make, it's God's money, and how are you spending it? Because I'm going to tell you, when I read these parables of the talents and the minas, pretty quick here, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to hold you accountable on how you stewarded your talents and your minas, how you stewarded all the money they gave you. You will be held accountable for that. People say, but it's all grace, grace. Yeah, grace is a gift, and how you steward it 
you will be held accountable for. And I'm going to read Jesus' words. I'm not making this stuff up. So let me get going with some of these other scriptures. It says, um, basically in Mark 12, Jesus is standing watching people give into the offering. So Jesus himself is, is watching how you give in church. So Jesus is there with his disciples at the temple standing. This widow comes up and gives two copper coins or two mites. And Jesus said that actually what she gave was actually more generous, more than all those rich people given more and more, like, you know, many times more than she gave. Now, you know, in our mind's eye, we were saying, no, wait a second. If I'm rich and I'm given like a million and this widow is given like her two mites. See, it's all relative in God's eyes. God's saying, I want you to steward everything you have. This lady's stewarding all that she had. And she actually took all that she had and placed it into the kingdom for his use. Some of us that are a little more wealthy are tipping God with our little 8 or 10 or 12% of you know, stuff that we got. It doesn't compare. Matter of fact, A.W. Tozer wrote this, writes this. Before the judgment seat of Christ, my service will be judged. Not by what I've done. Now listen to this. But how much I could have done. You're going to be held responsible by how much you could have done. Not by how much you've done. And when you die, your account stops with God. And Jesus comes back and he's going to judge your account. Let me just throw out four questions to you. Before I do. How do we steward over this if it all belongs to God? I guess I'll give you the four questions now. I tried to put four questions together. It could be 20 questions. But these are the four questions God gave me. And I started to use these in my own life. And it, it's radical. It's radical. But again, I don't write these down or try to remember them if you'd like. But the first one is, in spending this money that I've been given, am I acting as if I own it? Or am I really acting as God's steward or trustee? So I've got the money. I'm going to make the purchase. Am I acting like I own this? Or am I acting like God's steward or trustee? Number two. What scripture passage requires me to spend the money this way? See, there's over 2,350 scripture, 51 scriptures on finances. The word of God actually does tell you how to spend your money. So what scripture passage am I using to make this purchase? What scripture passage am I using to make this? Matter of fact, one scripture passage says that we're supposed to glorify God with all we have, right? Well, that's one scripture passage enough for me that I can rely on. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to me. Is that, is that purchase doing that? You can go all through the scriptures and you can find scriptures that will line up with what you're doing with your money. I will, again, that's there, if you'll look. The third one, can I offer this purchase up as a sacrifice to God? Will this purchase in my life be something I can offer as a living sacrifice unto God? Will this purchase be a sacrifice unto God? Will it glorify God? Is it a sacrifice that I can give Him? Will this go up as a sweet aroma into His nostrils? This purchase that I'm making. The fourth one, Hmm. Will God reward me for this purchase at the resurrection of the just? See, we're, our, our 
stuff, our life, our works are going to be kind of spread out before Jesus Christ. And he's going to give us rewards according to those works. Is the purchase that I make going to be a reward? If it's not going to be a reward, why am I making it? Does that help? You guys are quiet. I, I, does that help? Does it make sense? I don't care if it makes sense or not. Go check it out in the scripture and be Bereans and see if I'm telling you it's true because you're going to find it is true. I, I spent months and months and months digging deeper because I knew it was more than just the tithe. I knew it was more than me just getting to 50%. You know, my, our goal is to get to 90% and live on 10. And that's not even right in my own eyes because I'm thinking, it's the 10% isn't even mine. It's not about that at all. It's about me being a wise steward with everything. With everything. And I had a wrong mindset. I was like, oh, this is so cool. We're up to 25% now. Yeah, we're going for 50% giving. I want to, before I die, give away 90% and live on 10. And I was thinking that that was cool. But when I got the real true meaning of giving, that everything is mine and I've blessed you with it. Now, God is, is, cool, is good God. He wants us to have stuff. He wants his children to be okay. He wants you to spend some time with your family. He wants you to have a car that runs. He wants you to have a house that's nice. God isn't like saying, I'm taking everything away from you and it's all mine. He's not doing that to you. Matter of fact, there was a, a father who took his two boys into the McDonald's and just loving on his boys and spending time with them. And he buys them the big giant fries because each one of the kids love the fries and he sits down and the boys are eating the fries. They're all excited. And the dad goes to reach a fry from one of the boys. And he, mine, mine, you can't have it. The kid was kind of immature and didn't understand that those fries were a gift from his dad. And his dad had the right to take one of those fries if he wanted to. Matter of fact, that dad had such wealth that he could buy many, many, many large fries for that son. But the son was too immature to understand and know that actually that was a gift from a father who loved him. Where are we at in our maturity? Where are we at in our maturity? You know, I was watching Betty. She's writing with a really cool pencil. I like that pencil. Look at that. Isn't that cool? I like that pencil. Hey, Pastor Brenda, here's what we can do. This pencil writes on two sides. Here, you take hey, part. All right, you. you take part. Hey, 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 before you give her a pencil, here's what really happened. Before the service started, I said, I own this pencil. It's my pencil. And Betty, would you hold that pencil for me? And when I want to come and take my pencil back, can I have it back? Stewardship. That pencil was mine, right? And I could do with it what I wanted. Everything we have is his, and he can do with it what he wants with it. Amen? We are not our own. Oh, i got to get going quick here. Um, I want to get into the, the story of, uh, that Jesus gives us in, about the talents and the minas. Because in these two parables, Jesus really wraps it up pretty good. Um, basically, uh, once we know and understand this, though, the biblical implications, thank you, the biblical implications of us knowing and understanding the stewardship concept that God is trying to teach us 
is radical. It will radically change your life. And so Jesus gives these two stewardship parables. One is the parable of the talents, which Pastor Brenda used. And, and man, it was good. But basically, we all know it. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. But basically, some were given five. Some were given two. Some were given one. Uh, Mike may have more different talents than Deb. And Deb may have more and different talents than, or less than, you know, and we all have different talents. All of us are given different talents. Time, treasure, and talents. All of us are given different amounts by God. Because it's his, and he gives it to us. Okay, and then the minas was very similar. The minas is, he gives these minas of money, basically, or these treasures, to each one of his stewards until he comes back, right? So the talents were given until he comes back. The minas were given until he comes back. God is saying to you, I've given you these talents, and I've given you these minas, until I come back. So Jesus is trying to explain to the people how treasure, time, and talents work. So that we would get the stewardship principle. Okay? And, and again, read these two. One is in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. That's the talents. Uh, the ten minas are in nine, Luke 19, 11 through 27. So again, write those down. And But quickly, I want to just show you what... Jesus teaches about the talents and the minas. First of all, let's look at the property owner. Who's the property owner? God? God's the property owner, right? He's the owner. He owns everything. So God's the property owner. So there's ownership. The master first is true, the true owner of all the assets, right? He owns it all. Basically, we become stewards of, the, of those things. So he goes away. So he's the owner. He's got all authority, right, over them. God, they're his. He can do with whatever he wants with them, but he gave them to us to steward so that we could build his kingdom with it as why he's gone, right? Isn't that what they say, it says? So he has all authority to give maybe two to one, three to another, one to another. He has all authority to do whatever he wants. Matter of fact, if he wants to come and take them from us, he can. The cool thing is that we find in each one of these that the owner, Jesus Christ, or God himself, is generous. He's a generous owner. And he is going to reward us very generously if we are wise and faithful stewards. Very generous in what he does. He has high expectations, but for some reason they must be reachable because he's our God and he's our Father. And he's saying, look, I give you these high expectations, but I'm going to give you the power of my Holy Spirit to get the job done. All these things are about the owner. Right? How about the steward? First of all, the steward. The steward is only a caretaker. He's actually even owned by the owner. We are stewards. We are caretakers of the talents. We are caretakers of the minds. We are accountable, not to ourselves. It isn't ours, but we're accountable to the owner. Right? We are called to be faithful to the owner, right? Matter of fact, I'm going to read a scripture to you if I can find it here. I know I got it here somewhere. Here it is. I'm going to read you the scripture. Please write this one down. This is an important one. It's 1 Corinthians 4 2. Very simple scripture. I want you to read this and write it down when you when you can and look at it. And it's simple. Moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. 
It's required. Let me say it again. It's required of stewards for one to be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2. Does it say that in your Bibles? Are you a steward? When Jesus come back, when comes back, how is he going to find you? Quick question. Okay, so basically we're, I'm going through these two parables quickly. This, the steward or the caretaker is supposed to be industrious while he's taking care of the master's property. You are supposed to be involved in your local church. You're supposed to be involved in the kingdom work. You're supposed to be involved. This thing about you doing what you want because it's your time is a lie from the pit of hell. You will give an account for your time. And I'm going to read it in just a moment. Each of us, each of us, Jesus says, will give an account of himself to God on how we steward what he's given us. Now I want to close with something that's very simple. I want you to dream with me for a minute. Let's dream, okay? This has been kind of tough on, on me to kind of, but let's dream. What if, what if the prevailing culture of the church got this message and became wise stewards and were giving away 50, 70, 100% of, not 100, well, maybe 50% of what they had, 35% of what they have, 10%, like the woman in, you know, who gave her two mites. It doesn't matter the amount, but that you became faithful. Guess how much money's in the hands of Christians just in America? Guess. I told you guys this a couple weeks ago. Guess. Three trillion. It's higher. Six trillion dollars. Six trillion dollars is in the hands of Christians in America. Wow. What could we do for the kingdom of God? If some of that was shifted as we understood stewardship. By the way, what would a faithful master do to someone who understood stewardship? To the person who understood, what would he do? He'd actually give you more. Because I'm going to finish this out by saying, what did he give the faithful stewards of the talents? He took it away from the unfaithful one and gave it to the faithful one. People say, that's rotten. No, it isn't. I'm going to give it to the person that I can trust and rely on and knows and understands my word and knows that they're stewards on this earth so that they will do more of my kingdom work for me. That's why I'm taking the one from the one that's not doing what they're supposed to do and giving it to the one that's doing what they're supposed to so that one can help it to grow and the kingdom will grow on the earth. That's my version, but does it make sense? Is that what the Bible says? Pretty much, I, yeah, I paraphrase a little bit, but does it say that? Okay, let me read it to you then. I'll read it to you. And as God's child, we are a steward and manager. Jesus says this. Jesus says this in Matthew 16, verses 24 through 27. Listen to what Jesus says, not me. Listen to what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If you truly want to follow me, you should act at once, completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways for if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory you will continually discover true life but if you choose to keep your lives for yourself you will forfeit 
what you try to keep. For even if you were to gain all wealth and all power of the world with everything it could offer, and it cost your own life, what good would it be? And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? It has been decreed that I, the Son of Man, will one day return with my messengers and in splendor and majesty of the Father, and then I will reward each person according to what they have done. You're either going to get raptured or you're going to die. One of those two things are going to happen to every single person in here, including me. When that happens, your account stops and you give an account on how you stewarded what he gave you. It's all done then. What changes do you got to make right now? I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward right now. And then we've got just a few minutes here. I want you to make a commitment today. This wasn't just about having a good message. I've got a commitment sheet that if you will sign it, it's up to you. I'm not telling you what to do. But you got to make the commitment. And basically, it's a title deed. And what it is, is a title deed to your life. Your talents, your time, your treasure. And it says this. I hereby acknowledge God, God's ownership of me, of all my time, my talents, my treasure, my possessions, as well as everything I've ever imagined that I own, including my family, my loved ones. Instead of seeing myself as the ultimate recipient, I will see myself as God's delivery person, his steward. I will enjoy what he intends for me to keep and cheerfully let go what he intends for me to share and give away. From this point forward, I will think of all these assets as his to do with as he wishes. I will ask God to help me understand the Bible's instruction about stewardship and how he wishes me to manage and invest his assets to further the kingdom. I realize this will mean surrendering time, talents, temporary treasures, and making changes in what I thought was my earthly kingdom. In so doing, I will seek first to build God's kingdom. I will seek the power and wisdom of God's spirit to lead me in this call to be a wise and faithful steward of all that God has given me to manage. I will do this in God's glory, for God's glory. It's dated. It can be signed by you. And I would suggest you have a witness. Because anybody can sign something and throw it in their Bible. But I would ask you to have a witness. Witness that you've made this commitment. I'm not forcing this on you, but this does kind of put it in writing, doesn't it? What we've just been talking about. This probably basically sums up what God is trying to teach us in his word of God about stewardship and about finances, about time and talent. So I'm going to have everybody, as they look at that, you can sign it now. I'm not going to collect them. This is for you and this is between you and God. But don't, don't think that, oh, that was cool and I'm not going to sign that because I don't want to make the commitment because you know what's going to happen? You've made the commitment by being born. You will give an account. You will give an account. Let's get it right now. Let's make the commitment now. Let's change this earth now. Let's get that building built. Let's change Benzie County. Let's change Manistee County. We've got the resources already. It's not some hidden out there resource. We are his resource. We are his hands and feet. We are his stewards. We're the ones that he's left here on this earth right now to be his hands and feet. Amen. 
and he will put in your hands what you need to get the job done if you're getting if you're going after that amen so let's all stand and let's close father I just ask Lord that let them get a firm understanding of what you mean by all these finances, all these verses, all of what you're trying to tell us about treasures in the scriptures, about our talents, about our time. This message was born for such a time as this. Pastor Brenda just didn't think this up. This came into her heart by the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And as we close this three-part message about times, time, talent, and treasure, Father, I need to look at my life. I need to look at my life. I will not leave here. Come on, I want you to say something with me if you want to. I'm not going to make... I will not leave here until I put this all before you, God. My time, my treasure, and my talent. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask uh, the prayer team to come up and those who just want to make a commitment today, the altars are open for you. Basically, um, it's between you and God. If you've got something in particular you have a prayer need for, there's a prayer team up here. If you're just up here because you want to lay things at the altar, that's great. But don't leave here until they're done playing this song, okay? Just focus.